Welcome to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Magic Valley Bible Church has been serving the Magic Valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word. If you have your Bibles, please open them to Jonah chapter 2. In the providence of God, you know, sometimes your pastor, he, he chooses books that, trying to understand the times that we live, and, and yet often um, you swim in that pool for a while and you realize, you know, God, you are using your word to transform me and to grow us into your likeness. And, such is the case here to where we find Jonah. Jonah, who is an illustration, an example of God moving in his life, and yet often we find ourselves disobedient to the word of God, desiring to do our own thing, desiring to, to, to do what we think is better than God. And yet God in his kindness humbles us. This is where we find Jonah. We find ourselves in chapter 2 where where Jonah is swallowed by a big fish. Let me read the scriptures. For they are inspired and holy and errant. Nor they're from the breath of God. Starting in verse 17 of Jonah 1, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me, so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again Toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death, and the, the great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you the voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Let us pray. Father, again, we, we come to your word desiring to be not only students, but to have it sift our hearts. To be able to think rightly about you, to be able to live accordance to your word, we, we come with a heart's desiring to study, desiring to glean 
its precious truth. I just ask, Lord, that you would help us navigate this. And, and too often you, you give us the living word that, that speaks directly to our own souls. We're grateful for that. For we know in our darkest times, you shine the brightest. And we thank you for the fact that you are our anchor and our hope. Help us to glean from its word, from its truth. Father, may you help your servant desire to proclaim your goodness and greatness. We pray these things for the Spirit's help, desiring to understand and grow. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I love what's going on here. Hopefully you do too. As much as Jonah is running away from God, God is always many steps ahead of the runaway. Now you think about the sovereignty of God in the midst of all this. He is so many steps ahead of Jonah. He allows him to go to the end of his rope only for God to show up. And of course, he's already created the big fish, already knowing what is going to happen in Jonah's heart. He is bringing uh, salvation to Jonah, in essence, by having him alone with his thoughts, as well as with the truth in the belly of the fish. I think we understand there's nowhere that we can run from God. So don't try, okay? Just don't do it. Even when we mess up, even when we are disobedient, God's presence is there. Sometimes people have a theology that that Christ will not be in the presence of hell. Listen, he is Lord over hell. And the very fact that he is sovereign over all of life causes us to, to consider how we go about life, right? We understand the significance of Christ. We understand going forward, and here we are in the Old Testament, but, but we understand this living God, that there's always forgiveness and grace in this great gospel that we find in Jesus Christ. We have been studying the fact that Jonah is in great despair, that the book opens with a desire to run, with a desire to disobey. And in the midst of his disobedience, on a ship where God hurls, according to verse 4, a storm to get his attention, in his deepest hour, he cries out to God. This is pretty interesting. Verse, verse 1 tells us he's praying, but literally in his prayer, he is, he is quoting the Psalms. His last breaths as he is going down into the deeps where the scripture in his prayer, he tells us that, that the weeds are wrapped around my head. He cries out to God. He seems to think all is lost. And yet, what is often the case, just when we think it's over, God steps in in a mighty way. And I just love it. I mean, you know what's coming next in chapter 3. He, he, I mean, verse 10 of chapter 2 says he has vomited on the dry land. I think in the belly of that fish, Jonah realizes that, that God has this. He has me. 
He's going to eventually go to Nineveh. Of course, maybe not with the right heart still. But God is going to get his attention, much like he often does for us. And he will send his prophet to Nineveh and call them to repent. The beautiful truth about the scriptures is that even when we are in our darkest hour, God brings hope and rescues our souls. You think about your own salvation and in, in, in receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, the, the, the deepness of your own heart to consider life and salvation and the grace and mercy that comes from Christ. We all have a testimony of, of those who have repented of our sins and turned to the only one that can save us from our sins. Yes, even when we mess up, God is faithful. Yes, even when we are disobedient, God is faithful. Why? Because he's the great shepherd of the soul. Christ in his character, God in his character, he's faithful to who he says he is. It's remarkable to think that, that Jonah is thinking about this. This is the, the last thoughts that are going to enter my mind. And he longs for that place where he was right with God. He longs to be restored. And oh, what a beautiful place that is, right? We read scriptures, we read the Psalms, we understand the significance of, of a heart that's restored to the, to the glories of Christ. So much so, we look at David, who, who really did have a mess of his own life, and yet, through repentance and confession, he, he, he became a man after God's own heart. He, he was somebody who understood that he tasted the world, and it wasn't good. And so he longs to be in his presence. I think it's remarkable. Continue in our, in our thinking about God. That God never forsakes his children. You get that right beloved? God never forsakes his children. Even when we disobey him. Why? Because he wants you back. We also know that God is willing to do whatever it takes to awaken our hearts and to bring us back. It took all of that of Jonah running as far as he thinks he can from God, get on a ship with uh, his life savings to purchase a fare to go as farthest away from the call of God. And yet, even there, he didn't find solace. As the storm raged, he goes down to the hull of the ship, he falls asleep thinking this is it. The sailors, of course, are, are, are trying to figure out what's happening here. This is clearly a, a storm by, by God. And so they cried out for help. God, willing to get Jonah's attention. Jonah, realizing that this is it, says, just throw me overboard. I'm your... The reason for the storm. I mean, it's remarkable to think about all this. God sent the fish to rescue Jonah from dying. 
I don't know about you. As a kid, I went fishing one time with my dad. One of the first times I went fishing, my dad said, just put your finger in there. I caught a fish. and He said, just put your finger in its mouth and, and get that hook out. Didn't teach me a single thing. Now, this little fish, fish story, right? It's not this big. <laughs> I put my finger in there thinking the fish would obey me, only for the fish to clamp onto my, my finger and have a scar to this day on this finger. And you talk about a young boy trying to get the fish off his finger, whacking it on the rocks, thinking the fish let go. This is not fun. Of course, my dad got a laugh out of all that. What God does for us. I, I think when Jonah, what was going through his mind, the scripture brings to, to attention as he's praying in the midst of this, in the belly of the fish. All of this, Jonah realizes that God is saving him. Even in the throes of the consequences of his disobedience, God loves to rescue Jonah. And usually it's in our disobedience that God gets our attention, doesn't he? Once we become aware of our need to renew our spiritual devotion and passion to God, we return to God, don't we? Why? Because we have tasted and seen that he is good. I mean, when we look at Jonah's story here, we, we learn how to respond to God's prompting to return to him. In fact, Jonah's experience illustrates our way back to him. And we started this last week. We looked at the first point. We'll, we'll settle in on the second point here, but you'll see that in your outline. We learned last week that Jonah understood that running away from God's presence was not good. That he needed to return to the presence. Now, what's remarkable about this? If you remember and been following us along in our study of Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1, we talked about Jonah's what? Running from God and disobedience to the word. And what's remarkable in his prayer back to God is that he realizes that he needs to be in God's presence and obey his word. I mean, that's typical of our Lord. The things that we run for, he's going to make us walk through those things. The things that we're disobedient towards the things of God, he's going to bring us to the reality of why this is good and acceptable and right to be in his ways, be in his presence, and to walk in his truth. I mean, this is remarkable when you think about the parallel of what's happening in Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2. The way back for Jonah is to go to and run to God's presence and two, return to the word of God and obey. That's the simplicity of Christianity, isn't it? A desire to be in his house, to be in his presence, to be transformed by his word, and yet have the word of God transform us to think rightly about this life and about him. For Jonah to get right with God, he must stop his running and repent. And often in our disobedience, that's what we must do. We must repent of our sins and run back to God. Jonah's heart was awakened to this truth. Probably in his mind, maybe too late. But not too late in God's providence and grace. Jonah's heart is awakened to this reality of his disobedience and in turn knows that being away from the Lord's presence is being away from his blessings, his protection, 
and his hope. I think that is so true for us. I mean, you just think about the parallels of where you have been in life, and, and the safest place for you to be is in God's presence and in his word. I don't know about you, but that's where we're headed, right? We're headed to the presence of eternity in front of the, the mighty king. Oh, what a joy that is going to be. And we think about this, how silly it is for us to be so disobedient as to run away from his presence in this life. And so just a short recap of that first point. We, we looked at many a thing, but it, I encourage you to go back to online or the YouTube channel and you can listen to that sermon in its entirety. What got him there? I think the reality of isolation in the belly of the fish. This thoughts. The very fact that he was thrown overboard. The very fact that he knew that he wasn't in control. Listen, we love our disobedience when we think that we are in control. It's when we're not in control where our disobedience gets the best of us. And thank the Lord that he rocks the ship and the boat. To be able to get our attention to understand that disobedience is not a blessing but actually a curse. So here was Jonah, isolated in the belly of fish, three days, three nights, and it was just him, the fish, and the Lord. It was just as if God was just wanting Jonah to stop and listen. I don't know about you, but sometimes in our disobedience, God goes to these extremes to get our attention and he does, right? That's the beautiful thing about this. He does. He, God orchestrates the storm. He brings the fish to swallow Jonah. All that to say in verse 1 of chapter 2, Jonah prays. And we noted that to be in God's presence as a sinful sinner is that we need to repent of our sins, confess them to the Lord, and bring ourselves back to his presence, to a holy God where there is no sin. Of course, our mediator there, of course, is Jesus Christ. The one who intercedes for us. The one who draws us in this, this relationship, a covenant, yes, of blood spilled on the cross of Calvary that brings us into the presence of God Almighty. Jonah understands this. We need to understand this, that we need to get on our knees in the midst of our disobedience and cry out to God for mercy and grace. Which, by the way, beloved, when you understand the scriptures and understand this God, he never runs out of grace or mercy or forgiveness. There's not a time that you can, can ever expend so much sin that, that he does not grant that. Oh, yeah, there's consequences with your sins, absolutely. But spiritually speaking, there's, there's mercy and grace in Christ. Our restoration, as we've noted already, begins where our rebellion formerly existed and we run back to the presence of God. I think it's very practical speaking. We can think about this. We can think about where we are today, even you in your own soul, even though you're present here or even online, you, you, you understand that, that you can show an outward appearance, that you're walking godly, but deep in your heart, you're running from the truth of God. 
you know in your heart that you, you need to get right, listen, just do it. I think we make Christianity out to be so hard sometimes. Listen, you're a sinner. You need a Savior. Christ is it. Repent and trust Him. You want to restore your relationship with God, pray, confess your sins, repent, and run back to Him. That's the point of, of Jonah's cry here. I mean, you listen. We looked at this last week. You look at his desperate cry to God. Verse 2 says, I called out of my distress to the Lord, to Yahweh, the only living God. What's remarkable about this, we know back in chapter 1 that Jonah had a testimony of this living God, even to the sailors. And they were fearful enough to sacrifice and give thanks for the calming of the storm. They knew that Jonah's God, Yahweh, was able not only to bring a storm, but to stop it just like that. And so Jonah cries out, I called out on my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the death of Sheol. You heard my voice. And if you know anything about the Hebrew word Sheol, you know it's a, a description of the place that is the farthest from God. Jonah understood that he was disobedient. He's trying, and he's there, and he realizes he's helpless. He cries out. We looked at verse 4. It says, So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. He's only like he's grasping for air, for hope. Verse 7, While I was fading away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you. I mean, I just love it how the Lord just says, You know what, Jonah? I've been here all the time. If you just stop being a knucklehead and look to me, everything will be okay. When Jonah was at the end of his rope, when he was tired of himself thinking that he was doing a great job sitting on the throne room of his life, he cries out for help. Now, I don't know about you. I want to be a good student of the scriptures, right? You want to be a good, obedient, faithful family member of God. How far does God need to go in your own soul? To get your attention to realize that God is always good. His ways are always true. That there is no other hope. That he is God Almighty. For some of us, we are more hardened to our own disobedience. We, we, we think that, that, that we can do a better job than God, even though we are telling ourselves we are following God. But the graciousness of our God is that he allows you to, to walk in that disobedience, to see the foolishness of your ways, the foolishness of your own wisdom. And God says, I'm here. Are you going to stop running? Are you going to start trusting in me? I mean, I push back from this, and, and I just think about the whole truth here, and, and, and it just reminds me, and, and I think you would agree with this simple statement, but, but there's no better place than be in the presence of God. That's why we read Psalm 84. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Oh, to be on the threshold of God's temple. 
God is merciful to Jonah here. He extends his grace to Jonah. And the beautiful thing about it, knowing that God is immutable, in other words, he never changes, his grace is extended to you and me. God is merciful. If you read the Psalms, he is merciful to those who call upon his name. And then when we see God do his, his God things, it causes us to worship, to give thanks. And that's exactly where the heart turns in Jonah. We saw that in Psalm 51 last week, and this whole idea of, uh, of delighting in God, of having a heart that is contrite, desiring to repent. Just to remind you, look to the screen, Psalm 51, 16 and 17, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. So the question is, what are you pleased with, God? He, the psalmist understands that the sacrifice of God are, is our a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Jonah understands that. That's point one. The presence of God. He knows that that's where he needs to be, and then, beloved, that's where we need to be. And by the way, just to help you understand, and you understand that it's just not Sunday mornings, right? It's every day in the presence of God with the Word of God saturating your mind and your heart. That you wake up with joy, longing to see your King each day. Let's move on to our, to our second point, and Jonah understood not only the presence of God was significant for his life, but Jonah's return to the word of God. He understands that there it is that helps me think rightly about God and rightly about life and what I must do to give him glory. How do we know this? You look at this prayer and you say, well, Bear, where are you getting this? Listen, Jonah quotes the psalm seven times without chapter and verse, but he's referring to scripture throughout his prayer. That tells me you got a prophet who, who's gone through Awana, who understands the Word of God, who's memorized the Word of God. I mean, this prayer is littered with the Psalms. Like I said, I, I pointed out just seven. You can look to the screen and we'll compare to some of these things. But you look at verse 3, it says, All your breakers and billows, they, they swept over me. You look to Psalm 42, 7. It says, Deep calls the, to the deep. At the sound of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. You think of verse 4 here where it says, I have been expelled from your sight. And then compare that with Psalm 31 verse 22 where he says, As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. Verse 5, water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Compare that to Psalm 69.1. Save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. Verse 7, where it says, I was fainting away. You look at Psalm 147, verse 3. Save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. And then at the end of verse 7, into your temple. I mean, it's littered throughout the Psalms. Psalm 18.6, in my distress, I call upon the Lord. I cried to my God for help. He heard my voice and out of his temple and my cry for help before him came into his ears. 
I mean, this goes on and on. You can do a, a cross-reference study and see the, how the Psalms just saturated Jonah's life. And I think it's interesting to me. I think of Psalm 119 where it says, I've hidden your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. Jonah realizes that in his final hour. In the awakening of his own soul. He understands that is the word of God that's going to, to draw him back. And he's thinking about all the good things that God can do and is doing. He reminds his soul how foolish it is that the poor choices that he has made, that, that, that there's only solace in being not only in God's presence, but understanding the significance of why that is the case is because the word of God tells us all about God. I mean, listen to Psalm 119. You think about the, the largest psalm in the Psalter. Psalm 119 is all about the Hebrew alphabet extolling the word of God and how important it is to our soul. That's why you come to a Bible church that extols the word of God. For it is living, it is active, Hebrews 4.12, right? It's sharper than two-edged sword. We understand the significance of the word of God in our own souls. Why? Because we don't do a good job thinking on our own. Let's just admit that. Psalm 119, first 16 verses. Let's listen to this. You can look to the screen. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do, not, uh, do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed. And when I look upon all your commandments, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. And when I learn of your righteous judgments, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my, high, in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. I don't know how many times we need to learn a lesson that the word of God is sufficient for our soul. Just as much as we have a sufficient Savior, we have a sufficient word. We don't need to go out and look at experiences of life. We got the living word of God that tells us how to experience life. I mean, you think about the impact of the word of God in Jonah's life as he, he is praying these things. He understands it, that the word of God, that not, not only did he desire to run in God's presence, but the word of God is what cleansed him from all unrighteousness. We think of 1 John 1, 9 where it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And often he does that cleansing work with the power of the Spirit and the Word of God. I don't know about you, but in your daily devotions, you read, you read scriptures and you, and you absorb these things. And I go to this book and it shed light on my dark heart. It tells me what to, to think rightly about God and how to live life in such a way that gives him honor. No wonder the scriptures say, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. The word of God has a cleansing effect that we would just allow it to, to saturate our minds. You know what's sad is that the evangelical church of today seems to jettison the word of God. 
God's word will always guide us back. Scripture tells us. I love it where the psalmist says, I am blessed to be in it. And so should you be. It guides you to what is true. It cleanses your soul. It sets your mind on the things of God and not yourselves. It reminds me of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and get this. When you do that, he will make your path straight. You want to honor God? First, come to him, repent, believe, and receive him as Lord and Savior. And then two, follow his ways. When you come to a place that you know God has your attention and you find yourself in this desperate despair, the the, the point of, of, of Jonah's prayer is that we would repent and run to his presence knowing that it is the word of God that sets my heart aflame. Beloved, he's our hope. And by the way, in his presence and in his word, is the safest place for us to be. Why? Because you have an eternal God, an eternal word, and nothing will ever deter it. I mean, I ponder this and and, and look at this narrative and and Jonah's heart. I mean, it's just so awesome to see. God is, is merciful to Jonah even when he needs a spanking, right? I mean, the turning point of, of his heart is really in verse 6. He says, I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. Then he says this, but you have brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. I mean, he understands that his life is coming to end, but God is the substance and his hope of his life. I mean, it's pretty simple truth today, right? It's pretty simple. And yet we make it so complicated sometimes. For some of you, simple exhortation is to stop running. By the way, you're not fast enough to outrun God. (laughs) You know you're doing disobedient things. You know in your soul that you're, you're living life that's not right, not godly. Simple answer to that is to repent. Which in the Greek, metanoia, the idea of changing of heart and mind and turning towards the things of righteousness and holiness. And by the way, when we repent, true repentance brings change, right? It's just not professed words. True repentance says, yes, God, I agree with the fact that I am disobedient and I am disobeying your word. In turn, forgive me of my sin and may you plant in my soul a desire to follow and walk in your ways. When I was doing my doctorate study, we, I looked heavily into the, the whole aspect of shepherding and the sheep and, and that significance. And I'm reminded of those studies because it reminds me how appropriately it is to make sure that we run to the presence of God and that we are in his word. Those ancient Near Eastern shepherds, they, they, they bring their sheep fold back at night. And we looked at that whole issue way back when, if you were with us. And it was a joy to delight to see how God cares for his sheep. And we know that the good shepherd, he, he knows each sheep by the name. 
and the sheep know him by his voice. And he would make sure that each one of them would, would come to safety. And, and he would make sure each morning that he would draw them out and bring them to places where they would eat and be fed and nourished. Even so, in the midst of the night, he would call each sheep by name and he would pat them on the head so as to remind them the sheep would look up often at its shepherd. And he's able to understand that he's safe. Why? Because he's with the shepherd. Well, there are many examples of, of careless shepherds out there who, who go about doing things, and, and even though they say they care about the sheep, they, they, they don't call the sheep by name, and they don't give them the affirmation that everything's okay. So much so, Jesus talks about the one who comes in and steals the sheep while the shepherd is asleep. When you think about sheep, right? The dumbest creature of all. Needing care, no defense system. Needing a place to point it to water and to food. Needing the help of the shepherd to, to be able to lay his head at night. I think it's okay for us to say that God looks at, the, looks at us as stupid sheep. Knowing that we need the care. Knowing that we need to be fed. Knowing that we need the security. Knowing that he is going to be in our presence. It's okay to identify with that. The question is, are you in his presence or are you not? And then the second takeaway is the word of God. We beat the strum constantly. Be in the scriptures. That's where the wisdom is. That's where your hope is. That's where your understanding is. It will teach you what is right, what is good, what is holy, what is evil. And his ways are always perfect. I've shared up here many a times my own testimony of trying to understand if I'm going to give my life to the Savior, it better be good. And so in my early pursuit of understanding Christ, I'm looking for ways. Is this really true? And so I went to the scriptures to see if there was any holes. And I wish somebody would have already given me some, some little books like The Case for Christ or, or More Than a Carpenter because I think it would have helped me a lot sooner. Listen, even... So many years past the conversion date, there is not a moment where God has failed. His methods are perfect. And just as he brought Jonah back through extraordinary means, listen, if you're his, he won't let you go. If you're his, he will run after you. And he'll bring you back with the reality of how foolish it is to go out. We see that with the prodigal son. We, we see these parables of, of how foolish it is to be a runaway from the master. We see this in Jonah. Of why it's important to, to be in the presence of God and obey. But yet I love the inspired word because often we find ourselves much like Jonah desiring to do what we want to do until life gets rocked. 
Listen, the simplicity of your takeaway this morning is that Jesus is your answer. Sufficient, Redeemer, Lord, Savior, He's your answer. For those of you who are playing with Christ, loving the fellowship, loving the aspects of church, loving the fact that there's some good moral people here, listen. The, 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 what you need is the sufficiency of Christ's grace to save you. It's only then that you will be in his fold. It's only then that you will be in his kingdom. That's where you start. And then for some of you disobedient sheep, God's got you. If he's got to discipline you a little more than, than others, hopefully you will awaken to your soul and understand that the best place for you to be, for you and your family, is in the presence of God and under his word and in his word. And it's simple, right? I, I, I look at this and I'm thinking, wow, even rockheads can understand it. Even a pastor can understand this, right? Why? Because God is the Lord of the heart and he saves souls and he redeems them and he gives them what to understand, what to believe. This is a great delight not only to understand. I, I think what's been so, so, so wonderful about the tri trials and, and tribulations that, that we have as saints is that our theology comes to light. What we've studied in, in education and academia and, and trying to understand exactly what's going on with God, God puts to practice his theology in life. And so we can understand these things, knowing that, yes, God is good, and his ways are always true. And just like Jonah, we can understand that it's important to be in his presence, and we cry out to the only one that can save us, for he is our only hope. Amen? Father, again, we thank you for the morning and simplicity of the word. How foolish it is for us to think that we can do life better than what you have written. What you have expressed. We know that the word of God is living. We know this is not some kind of static word that was culturally dated way back when. This is the eternal word that is, that is applicable for us today and for eternity. Father, you know exactly each heart in this room and online. You know exactly what's going on. And I guess my prayer is that you would protect us from ourselves. That you would give us clarity how foolish it is to run outside of your word how to create something other than what you have declared, which is sufficient in itself. Father, help us draw us closer to you. I know for the one who is running away, Father, there's great hope for them. Me too, you, you have called them to come back as you know your sheep. We know, according to the scriptures, that you will not let them go that you will bring them into the fold where there is safety, hope, and blessings. Father, help us to be 
men, women, and children of the word. Help us to, to memorize the scriptures. Help us to, to set our minds on the things above and not on this earth. Find ourselves seeking Christ and his righteousness. All this for your glory. All of this for your kingdom. May you show your mighty hand in our lives. So the praise goes to you. We pray these things in the Savior's name. Jesus Christ the righteous. It is in him and through him that we find our substance. That we find our hope. That we find our redemption. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com slash mvbible or YouTube at youtube.com slash mvbible.